don't hit it now, it'll never happen. There we go. Okay. All right, are y'all ready? Yeah. Getting cozy today. <laughs> um, okay. Hey, y'all. I'm Mandy, the host of the Y Space Show. And today I have my friends Laura and Becca back on the show. Ladies, welcome. Hello. Hey guys. All right. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about the movie Barbie and the cultural impact or just pop culture impact for some of us um, of how this movie has affected society. And so we've got our usual questions and things we're going to talk about. And if you have thoughts and opinions about our thoughts and opinions, we'd love to hear that. Um, so we're going to kick it off. There are people who have actually not seen the Barbie movie. So I wanted to explain briefly what it's technically about, but I also wanted to say, and Laura, you will probably not be aware of this part, but on Sunday, this past Sunday, we had the Golden Globe Awards. Mm. That's an award show, if you don't know. Okay, got it. <laughs> it so, okay. so there's a comedian, Joe Coy, and he like did his little monologue at the I guess it was at the beginning. I can't remember when he made this Barbie joke, but he essentially made a joke about Barbie that it was just a movie about plastic, a plastic doll with boobs. Um, and it went over like a lead balloon camera pan to like a bunch of the people in the show, in the movie. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, dead stare. He was a real bomb. He made a Taylor joke later in the day too, or later in the show that went over even worse. Um, wow. But the movie is actually not about just a plastic doll with boobs. Um, it's actually a real life human. Um, but I guess technically the Barbie movie is like rooted in Barbie is obviously a toy that was created way back in the day. And then these like come to life in the movie. And so it's really about Barbie's journey to like figure out who she is kind of thing and where she kind of fits in the world or which world. Um, I'll try not to do a lot of spoilers just in case you haven't seen it and you want to see it, but I can't promise that that's not going to happen. Um, so yeah. let's kick it off. Like you've had time to see it. <laughs> yeah. Like if you, yeah, if you weren't one of the ones that gave them some of their billions, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with you, Laura, because I will say, I think all three of us have a different relationship with this movie. And you probably have more of the emotional connection to the movie. So I'm going to start with you. Um, let's start with like, what lessons did you learn from the movie? I think my, the biggest one that I, and I wasn't expecting anything. Um, I genuinely just watched the movie because Brett was out of town. It was on Amazon prime. I had time to, I could, um, so I went in without cold turkey. I knew nothing. I didn't know who was in it. I knew. Feels on brand. That feels right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I feel like my takeaway was just how, I hate to say empowering because that feels like such a like woman power thing. And that's, I don't love that, but I I do feel like it was like empowering to humans as a whole of like you, you were created to be you, you weren't created to be like someone else. You weren't created to fit in a box, fit in a mold to do a certain thing. Um, you were created to be you. And I don't, that really stuck out to me because I feel like we probably all, I feel like all humans battle this, but just of, comparing yourself to other people and other people your age or in your life stage and what are they doing and how are they parenting and what's their career and how much money are they making and that's just not what we are that doesn't benefit anyone if that's how we're approaching our life I like that Becca what about you what lessons did you learn I think for me, it just kind of showed how imperative it is to step outside of your own world sometimes and go through some adversity to truly discover, like, who are you? Like, you've lived in all of these expectations before and you have followed what you're exactly supposed to do. Um, and then when you start to step outside of that or something starts to go awry, just discovering, like, 
you know, who am I in these adverse times? Who can I rely on in these times? Um, and just knowing that it's important to go through that, that everybody does it. Um, it doesn't matter how picture perfect it looks on the outside. People are typically just playing a part. Mm -hmm. um, so that it's not bad to go through those adverse times that it's a struggle and it's hard and it sucks, but the outcome of it is, you know, what's pretty. Yeah. So. I think I definitely, I think I would agree with both of you that I took some of those same things. Um, the whole idea of like, when I think about Barbie, first of all, let me ask this. Did y'all play with Barbies as kids? Yes. You did? Did you? No. So I didn't play with Barbies and I don't know that it was like, oh, a, I think that feels right. I don't know. That's what I was just going to say. Like, I don't know that it was like a conscious decision not to play with Barbies. I mean, yeah. I, think I had a few, um, cause I can remember like cutting one of their hair, like the hair off of one and getting in a lot of trouble for that. Um, sure. but I think I made weird Barbie before that was even a thing, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a big thing to me. And I think so when the movie was coming out, I, I did, I was aware that this was a thing and who all was in it. Uh, unlike some of us, um, but I didn't have any desire to see the movie. I did not go see it in the movie theater. Um, I just didn't have any desire. I can remember being in junior high when Titanic was a thing and I didn't, I didn't see Titanic in the movie theater. And I can remember this girl I went to school with said that I did that for attention. I don't know why that sticks in my yeah. mind. I just had to bring that up. Um, I did I not, not do it for attention, but I also knew how the movie ended. Like I, I knew the yeah. boat was going to sink. And so with Barbie, to your point, Laura, I, I thought it was going to be like this big, like feminist, like power to the women thing. And I mean, I'm all about women being empowered, but that's not like my soapbox that I'm, it's not the hill I'm going to die on. Right. Um, I've never been like disadvantaged. So it's saying that from a point of like privilege, I get, but still. That's just my experience. So I didn't see it in the theater. I actually just saw this on a plane on the way home at Christmas. Um, and I thought I was going to hate it. And I didn't hate it. But I took the same kind of lessons. I think the thing that stuck out the most to me was like, don't give up on like being able to change the world kind of situation. Like mm -hmm. all this adversity is going to come. You're going to like not know who the heck you are in a situation and who you can depend on and like, what you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be, all those things. But like, none of that is enough reason to give up on changing whatever it is. I don't mean just changing the world, like world peace. Woo -woo. No, I mean like any situation that you're trying to change. Um, I think too, like the biggest thing that I took away from it was like how Barbie, like Margot Robbie Barbie. So like picture perfect Barbie. Um, like she learned that hard isn't necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a good reminder to me because I think anytime anything's hard, I'm like, oh, this is awful. This is the worst thing that could happen. And it, I mean, it is in the moment. It's like, let's keep it real. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But it, it's not like the end of the world. And there's always something worse. So that was sort of what I took from it, along with the things that y'all mentioned. Um, so the next question, we all listen to a podcast called The Big Boo Cast. And Sophie and Melanie talk a lot about random stuff on there. And Sophie is known for saying like, oh, the gospel's all over it. Um, and I know that Laura, you felt that the gospel was all over Barbie. So could you please explain to our friends why you felt that way? I felt that way solely for the purpose of what I said previously of what I got from the movie or whatnot. Like we are all created so uniquely different and we have such different talents and for us to I mean this is like can almost make this like super spiritual but like for us to try and be like someone else that is depriving the body the church of who God created us to be and the purpose that he's put inside of us um and I really I really did feel like Barbie did a good job of like all the Barbies, like they were all called Barbie and they all did such different things and they were all so unique. And um, I just, I don't know, like I thought that that was just a beautiful picture of 
what this life, what church, what being a Christ follower, whatever, like what that's supposed to look like is just us being exactly who God created us to be and using our talents in their way and not trying to copy somebody else or fit into somebody else's shoes or not. Yeah. I, um, so, I mean, candidly, when I first watched it, I did not, I did not feel the spirit move and think about the gospel at all. But, um, when you said it via text to us, I was like, Oh, I could see that. It totally struck me when you said it to like, do y'all remember when we were like, teenagers and you were going to youth group and it feels like the youth pastor always had like a movie clip to show with his little sermon like on a Wednesday night always always a movie clip and um that was like their hook right how to like get you interested in the topic I like once you said that I was like oh I could totally see a youth pastor flopping Barbie up on the screen and you know totally saw that I think for me too because the movie was really like to me, it was more like a journey of like self-discovery as woo-woo as that sounds, which is not my personality. But I think if you want to make, take a spiritual spin on that, obviously like everybody, like you said, everybody kind of had their own little niche and their own thing. Like there was weird Barbie, there was lawyer Barbie, like all these president Barbie, all these people. But like, it was really about them having to figure out like, where they fit and everything. And so of course in church, we would say that comes back to Jesus and figuring out that part of your life will help you figure out your self discovery. But, um, Becca, I know you don't have any thoughts or opinions on that. Probably. <laughs> I'm just how did, how that did it feel? feel? Do you now feel like that it, you could see it or. I mean, you could definitely pull parts and see how the gospel could be applied to it. I just kind of like you, I watched the movie just to enjoy the movie um, and so I didn't go deep into the feelings on it. That feels on brand too. This this movie is really like hammering home the on brandness of this crowd. Um, <laughs> so if you read any of the reviews or like you know summaries of the movie, it talks all about like existential crisis, which is like what the heck is that? You know. So I did a little research for the show, and I looked up. I mean, I knew what it was, but I was doing this for the show. Um, I looked up like the definition of an existential crisis. Okay. So I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. So by definition, it refers to the ensemble of feelings and questions we have to do with the meaning and purpose of our life. These questions aren't easy to find answers to. and They can leave us feeling stuck. Literally the Webster Dictionary definition. So obviously I think that was kind of like the ongoing theme with every character in the movie Barbie, Um, which begs to question, why do you think everyone needs to walk through an existential crisis in their life? Or do you feel like they shouldn't have to? Becca, let's start with you. I think that everybody should. And honestly, I think everybody will at some point um, because you have to figure out what your own truth is. What do you believe to be true about your existence, your world, your views? uh, And who are the people that you want around you during those times that you, you know, not look up to, but that you would respect their opinion if you came to them with an issue. But just being able to work out those things, I think, um, really all through your 20s, even everybody's just kind of going along with everything that we've always done. And this is how we were raised and this is what we've been told to do. Um, and then once you start inching towards 30 and getting into your thirties, at least for me, you kind of feel like you start to come as your own because you deal with some harder things in life. And that's where you start to say, I probably don't agree with this take on something of how I was raised, or that's not maybe how my parents would have handled it. But I think that this is the best way to handle the situation. So I think that it's imperative for everybody to go through some kind of existential crisis in order to figure out what are my beliefs, not just what do I believe, what do I do that I've always been taught, but like what actually works for me that I want to continue on with. Yeah, makes sense. Laura, how do you feel about the old crisis? Uh, I, re- I agree with a lot of what you just said, Becca, and I think um, mine didn't come until much later in my 30s. And I, on one hand, 
it's I feel like the timing is good and maybe that's kind of natural for a lot of people of like once you get through I feel like your 20s can kind of float you can still kind of float on the beliefs of your upbringing whatever that was um but I think that more life hits as you go through your 30s and that that's when the crisis kind of really starts to hit um and yeah I think I think you have to go through that in order to become you, in order to become who you were meant to be um, and kind of figure out what you're, where you fit in this world. I feel like that was a big theme with the movie from Ken to Barbie to all the Barbies of just figuring out like who they were and what world they fit in and how they fit in that world. Um, and you have to have some sort of crisis to push you into that. I don't think anybody goes into that willingly. Like, let me just start doubting everything I've been taught. And this could be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that, um, I think it is good. I think it sends a good message to see a movie like Barbie and even somebody like Margot Robbie playing that Barbie could go through see them go through that kind of crisis because I think it's a good reminder, especially I think probably to younger girls specifically to see like you can look like on the outside that you have everything together and you're like the it person and you know, you're the like picture perfect. Right. But that's not going to save you from like emotional pain or despair, or hopelessness, anxiety, any loneliness, any of those things. And so I think it is just a good reminder. I think even as an adult, it's a good reminder to be like, Cause I know there, there are times there's other moms. I'm like, good Lord, I wish I had her life. She has it all together. She's like the perfect mom, you know, whatever. And then I'll like have a conversation with them. Like, Oh no, she's right here in the thick of it. Just like me. Yeah. So I think it, I think it's a good reminder of that in the movie. And I think it's a good reminder of like, you have to just kind of keep on keeping on. Like it doesn't matter where you fit into the whole thing. Like, there's only one option and that's through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Laura, you mentioned Ken. So obviously there's never been Barbie without Ken and uh, Ryan Gosling was like the perfect Ken um, casting wise. He's sort of in a way, if you read like the online summaries of the movie, they kind of call him the villain of the movie. Um, do y'all agree that he was the villain? And if so, why Laura? I mean, I think if there has to be a villain, it, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he is the villain. Um, I would put Mattel as the villain before I begin. <laughs> like, yeah. I was to say that. I was like, no, they were. Um, I don't think he is the villain. And I think at different points in his little journey that they show, I feel like we can all be Ken. Like Ken was just trying mm-hmm. to figure out he didn't fit and Barbie world. And then he went in the real world and wanted to fit so bad. And he didn't fit there either. Um, And I think it showed that at the end when he had the little Knuff sweatshirt, (laughs) he just wanted to be enough. He just wanted to know that who he was, was enough, was enough for Barbie, was enough to fit into whatever world he was in. Um, so no, I don't think he was the villain at all in this. Yeah, I kind of took on the same thought process. It seemed to me more like Will Ferrell's character was the villain. I think that they did a really good job with Ken to portray, again, you've lived in this picture perfect world and you follow these rules that you were always supposed to follow and live this life you were supposed to. And then when he steps into another and he realizes, oh, I have a little bit of power, Mm-hmm. and a little bit of a status, I thought that they did such a good job of showing what somebody that's kind of thrust into a new life lets that ego get to them and get really big for a while, but mm-hmm. then also show like the downsides of it. Like, yeah, that's really fun to get to be the top dog, but look all the things that I've lost because of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I could see yeah. how they kind of wanted him to be in a villainish type role, but I think his was more of just the learning side that Barbie's was as well. I thought the whole like villain shtick with him was 
almost too scripted to see that because it's like the whole patriarchy part of it, like it had to be embodied in him. So I, I didn't really relate to that. I actually thought he was kind of like a damsel in distress most of the movie. Like, <laughs> I feel like the things that people considered like his villainous deeds were really things he was doing either out of like insecurity or like, but he's just an idiot. Like yeah. I didn't take it as like evil intent. Um, I actually saw a lot of, if we're going to bring up the gospel, I actually saw a lot of that with his character and kind of that whole like redemption arc that he had of like, he spent the whole movie not being able to admit that he didn't even like ruling the whole patriarchy, you know? Yeah. And so it was like in the end, he finally admits that he never felt like he could express his true feelings. So yeah, I didn't think he was a villain. I agree. I think it was Mattel. Yeah. Um, Which is a good segue into... What does this movie show you about society's obsession with brands and corporations? And Becca, I'm going to start with you because this kind of goes in line a lot with like our love of pop culture stuff, like all of that. Um, what do you think the movie says about those things? I, mean, I think it definitely shines a spotlight on where people view whatever brands or corporations are putting out in the mainstream as like that's the goal, that's the thing to be achieved. Um, but I also thought that it did a good job to show that that obsession isn't necessarily everybody's desire. Um, and that we don't have to follow that mainstream thing, but it is overpowering because it's in everything that you're seeing. I mean, just like when you and I see magazine titles or Twitter feeds or whatever, it's that headline that will grab you. And that's just what people take as gospel. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so it definitely shows that obsession there. Yeah. Laura, what did you, how'd you feel about that? You said Mattel was the villain to you. So what'd you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think um, just those at the top of the larger corporations are marketing geniuses. Um, I just, I think especially, I mean, obviously we're all, we have freaking influencers on Instagram that are all our age. Um, and I just thought of this, but as much as, and Becca, I feel like your boys have done this. Mandy, I don't know if Judd does this. My kids certainly do it of watching the kids on YouTube open their toys and play with their toys. That's and Ryan kid. Ugh. Yeah. And who has his own at Target like yeah. that's so dumb to me and yeah. I will sit there and watch Landon or Daryl <laughs> or whoever unbox their crap <laughs> Amazon <laughs> that is the coolest thing ever <laughs> yep like I think yep. it's just you know however that thing is packaged um we yeah. all fall for it like at, at whatever life stage we're at we all fall for you know what what are they selling what are they how do we make the boxes I mean I think the people at the top are just how do we make the boxes prettier how do we make the products prettier mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't have to be better it doesn't have to smell better work better whatever it just, we just have to to put it in a pretty box and they're going to watch somebody open it and then they're going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. I think I totally agree with both of you. I think a couple of thoughts that I had, and I'm not like one of these big conspiracy theory person, people, persons. I do believe there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, but I'm not one of these people that gets like really hyped up on this. But what I would say is it made me stop and realize like to think more often than I do, like what is behind this company's, angle like when things are really getting pushed on social media a product or whatever what's the angle like yeah and it's made me a little more conscious of like when you hear about companies that are doing good things or vice versa like who i want to support more than the other and that ties yeah. back to like what we were talking about in the other episode about like blind items and clickbait yeah. and all that stuff, like it's who you want to give your clicks to, it's who you want to give your purchases to and things like that. Yeah. Um, 
and I know everyone in every corporation has an angle. That's how they make money. That's how they stay in business. But yeah, it doesn't always have to be nefarious though. Um, and I think the movie just highlighted that like in an obviously exaggerated, well, I hope exaggerated um, form. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned our kids, Laura. Um, how does or should this movie impact your parenting? I think for me, um, and that was such, I loved that question because I really, mm-hmm. um, I feel like my parenting, even though I could look at my parents and we, we all could, no matter how good or bad our parents are, I think we could all look at our parents and be like, they should have done this differently. I can't believe they did this. Why did they tell us this? Why did they make us do da 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 Um, but I also think, I mean, you talk about generational whatever. We also only know our parents' parenting. And so when you turn around to be a parent, if you don't intentionally make choices, you're going to do and say the exact same things that they did and said to you. Um, yeah. And so this really, in such a good way, uh, the movie and this question made me stop and think how do I look at these kids two stepkids and one of my own how do I look at them and allow my words and my actions allow them to be exactly who they are and not who I think they should be based on who I felt like I was supposed to be growing up I definitely felt like there was a box I was supposed to fit in and I felt like I was parented in a way to fit in that box. Um, and I think maybe we all are to an extent. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what y'all have to say about that. Um, but this definitely gave me eyes to look at the kids differently of what can I do to empower them in a way to be exactly who they're supposed to be and, and be a good human and love people and be kind and helpful and all of the good characteristics we want in a person as well. But what does that look like for them to be them and not who I think they're, they should be? Yeah. Becca. I think for me, it just reminded me of the importance of being open and real with your kids. Uh, not speaking from my point of view of growing up, our parents were not, I didn't feel open with us that we didn't talk about things going on in the real world. We didn't talk about feelings. You didn't talk about what you were going through. Like you just dealt with it and you were quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that there is such a necessity on having a space where your kids can just vocalize what they're feeling and go through that and be vulnerable without repercussions of it. If I had ever said growing up, like, I feel this way, or I wish we could do, you know, this, this way, or whatever the case may be, that would have not been received well. That would have been, you're being disobedient and you need to go away until you're quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know for us, like, we're very big in our house on Doug and I apologizing to the kids if we've done something wrong, yeah. not just to model that, but for them to understand, like, we're still figuring this out too. We're still learning as we go. We're not going to get this whole parenting thing right the first go around. Um, that's for a therapist to kind of clean up one day, maybe. We'll see. As long as you say nice things, I'll get you a good therapist. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think for me, especially like I've noticed with my older one who's in middle school and a teenager, talking to him about, oh, I remember when I was in middle school and I always felt this way about this thing or, you know, do you ever deal with this? In the moment, he might not open up because he's like, mom, I don't want to talk right now. I just want to go play video games. But I have noticed later on, he'll come back and start asking questions more. So I think that the movie just showed a really or did a good job of showing having those open conversations when the kid is like being angry towards the parent and difficult or whatever the case may be, giving them the space to have the feelings that they feel, but then dealing with it and having the space to talk through that. 
Yeah, I think um, I, I like those both of those. For us, we're like so in the thick right now of Judd really struggling with like knowing who he is and understanding that you can't decide and grasp who you are if all you're doing is comparing yourself to all the people around you. Yeah. And I'm first of all blown away that we're dealing with this. He's in second grade and he just turned eight. Like, I'm like, really? Did this happen this early? I don't think so. But I think the movie was a good reminder. Like there was a couple of parts that I wrote down in my notes. Um, do y'all remember the part where Barbie has to choose like if she's going to wear the high heel shoe or the Birkenstock? Yes. Yes. Um, I love that part, first of all, because I still have my Birkenstocks and people think that's like weird. I think oh, they're, wow. they're just comfortable. I don't know. Yeah. People are weird. Um, but, you know, she's facing that decision of like what's important to her. And but it's funny because then I relate that to Judd and these eight year old boys. And it's like and this child has more like Jordans and Nikes than like he knows what to do with. Like he could wear a different pair of shoes every day and those things are expensive. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, does he really want those? Or is it because like everybody else thinks that's cool? Because if it's not that he wants it, why am I wasting all this money? Um, so I thought that part. And then the whole, just the whole part of like where, when Barbie and Ken are talking, she's like, I don't even know where I belong anymore. I don't even know who I am. Okay. And, but then when Ken comes back and he's like, I don't know who I am without you. I think like, we're so in the thick of that with him. Like, you are your own person. It doesn't matter what all these other children, these boys that, and it's, it's harder for Judd because they do everything together. They're in school together, church together. They all play the same sports together. Like there's never a part time. If they're away from each other, they're on the VR with each other. Driving me insane. Good Lord. But it's like, and then when that whole part, when Barbie's like, you're not your house or your girlfriend or your job or any of those things, like you got to figure out who Ken is. And that's like what I was telling Judd on the way to school this morning. Like just because this current math section is hard for you does not mean you're dumb. Yeah. And just because so-and-so seems to get it better doesn't mean you're not as smart, you know, like I think all of those things, it was just a good reminder. I mean, obviously everything in this movie was like, um, you know, blown out of proportion because it's Barbie and that's what she does. But like, yeah. I thought it was a really good reminder of that and just the whole need to like, but to your point too, Becca, about being kind to people um, because everybody is different. There is a weird Barbie, you know, and, but she's like an intricate part of the whole chasm of that world. So yeah. Um, I like how it highlighted kind of the importance of everyone being individual and being who yeah. you are. Their little Barbie world was so much better at the end because everybody realized like, oh, I can be unique and I'm still part of this and it makes it even more fun and great. Did y'all relate to like one of the specific Barbies more than the others? Laura, you did not? You just uh, I didn't. She's like, I didn't even know who those actors were. So, <laughs> Becca, did you? I mean, probably I would have related to Margot's Barbie when I was younger, just being that picture perfect. No one can know what I actually think or believe or anything. But honestly, as an adult, I'm probably weird Barbie. Like, <laughs> let's just call it out. Let's talk yeah. about it. Let's do the weird stuff. Like, let's try it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The I um splits. Oh loved yeah, it. loved it. There's always a leg somewhere. Wait, yeah. Why not? <laughs> like, like forethought because who didn't take their Barbies and put them in the split? percent. But for them yeah. to like, like that was one of her things, and she's always in the splits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, did that so well. So yeah, well. yeah. I should have made this one of the questions or at least researched it. But I got to thinking when I was thinking about this question, like I wondered what Enneagram number some of these people were. Oh. Um, because I was like trying to relate them to myself. I too feel like weird Barbie a lot of the times, perhaps not with the like appearance thing that she had going on, oh, yeah. but like just the actions. Um, I think because like the three part of me really related to like Issa Rae's character, like President Barbie. Because uh -huh. it's like, you know, she was like the overachiever, like 
but then even like she couldn't she didn't have control of anything even though when she thought she thought she did and that's like the story of my life like I think I have everything under control I got nothing nothing Not any of it <laughs> yeah not a bit I don't even know what's happening um so we talked a little bit about kind of like the feminist bit of the movie um which I don't think any of the three of us really relate or you know pulled from it but do you think the movie accurately depicts the expectations on women? Laura, did you feel that way? I want to hear Becca's response. Oh, okay, Start with you. Um, I felt like it did a good job of kind of highlighting the contradictory expectations that women have. And again, I'm not one of those like raging feminists or whatever, but it was very succinct and especially... Uh, America Ferreira's monologue mm -hmm. that she did when she was talking about all of the expectations of there's a huge, not many women stay home and just raise children. A lot of women go to work and raise children. So right. I think that it was so good to kind of highlight all of those expectations on women and not necessarily that they're bad. It doesn't have to be a bad thing to have the expectations but just calling out that it's difficult and it's okay to think this is difficult, mm -hmm. but you do mm -hmm. have to go to work, but you also need to cook and you need to raise the kids and you need to run the errands and you need to do the doctor's appointments. And you have to remember all the things that is kind of put on a lot of women. And I do think that there sadly in this society are still men that think that that solely is on a woman. There's not a lot of partners that we get to experience in life that come alongside and acknowledge the expectations and help with them. I'm not the only one living in this house. I'm not going to be the only one that cleans it and picks it up and realizes when things need to get done. Like everybody else gets to jump in and do it. So I just thought that it did a good job of kind of calling those things out, um, but not bashing that it's bad to have expectations. If we don't have expectations on us, then people just think we can't do anything. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I thought one of the things that I did like was that it didn't only focus on the expectations of our appearance. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I went into the movie. Well, like, I guess I didn't go into the movie because obviously by the time I saw it, I had like read everything that happens in it. But when it originally was coming out, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these movies that makes you feel like you have to be pencil thin, have this perfect, yeah. you know, Barbie mm -hmm. body. Um, so I was really glad that, like, I didn't really even feel like that was much of the movie at all. It really um, Which is totally typical of Greta Gerwig. I should have known when I saw that she was directing it, but it wouldn't be that way. But yeah. alas, still Barbie nonetheless. Um, so I was really glad that it focused more on the expectations, like, as individuals, like, as contributing members of society and not the way we look. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it did a good job of that. And um, obviously... America Ferrera's character Gloria's monologue is one of my favorite parts, but I think that it like perfectly went through like the ups and the downs and like the ebbs and flows of being a woman and the expectations that are on us. And I think as I think if the only thing that I would have done different if I was making this movie, um, and it would really only be because it's my personal place in life right now is like the parenting side of it like it was a lot about like as a woman but I think like the parenting side of us as mothers is a whole nother like you could make a whole new Barbie movie about that part yes um but I thought it, overall like I thought it did a really good job on the expectations yeah. Laura do you now have an opinion now that you've heard ours yeah well, I did have an opinion I had something written down I'm interested <laughs> here. right <laughs> all be together or not. I was still going to say what I thought. <laughs> um, I yeah, definitely think that it did a good job portraying the expectations and, and that it highlighted you. I feel like women now, and maybe this is like, I'm picking up something wrong, but I feel like women are expected to work inside or outside the home and be a homemaker and make all your own food and grow and have your own freaking garden and feed your kids these certain things and all of this and be a successful career woman 
outside of the home, but not too successful. Like, I felt like it did such, in her monologue specifically, I felt like it did such an amazing job of, um, like, making you sit in and feel the tension of it. Um, I had, there were several lines that stuck out to me, but one of them at the very end, and Becca, I know you and I have talked a little bit about this with just with you raising boys, but of how women are supposed to be pretty, but not too pretty that you tempt the men. Mm-hmm. And just like what, I mean, to walk, to walk into an office or watch a movie and you see this beautiful woman in heels and a skirt, a button up, whatever, walk into an office And it's like our automatic thought is she's a bimbo. She's a slut. She's going to sleep her way to the top, whatever. Like that's our automatic thought on that. But also I feel like there's pressure for you to be that, for you to look like that, for you to walk into an office in heels and a short skirt and, and all of there's just so much tension inside of that. Um, I also, and I wrote this down when she said, um, you have to be a boss, but you can't be mean and you have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. And I feel like that is a, a weight that women carry that men do not carry. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it is very much ex- accepted for men to be mean. Um, I am just thinking about men at churches that I've been on staff at and how it is okay for them to act a certain way and say a certain thing and lead in a certain way, but a woman better not. And if she does, she's all of a sudden not going to have a job. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it's like if a man if a man is if a man is opinionated, then that's fine. But a woman's a bitch if she does, right. you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to bring up the Taylor interview. Taylor Swift. <laughs> there is a Taylor Swift interview where she says something about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I well, okay, bring up you take the Golden Globes for example. Every yeah. headline was Taylor Swift doesn't laugh at a joke. Like she should have just laughed. Okay, Ryan Gosling did not laugh at a joke, and everyone exactly. was like, "Good for him to stand his ground." And I'm like, "That's." But Laura, it's yeah. funny that you mentioned how it's men and women are different, and men are a little bit more mean. Just yesterday, I was having to write an email, and I just I kept reading it and reading it until finally I took it upstairs to Doug, and I was like, "Can you just read this and tell me if you would word it differently?" And his edits back to me were very blunt and harsh. And I was like, I work in HR. I can't, we need to stay even keel here. So I was like, thank you so much for your time. And then I just went downstairs. <laughs> but I was just, it is interesting because I'm like, he could have said that in an email and they would have been totally fine with it. But had mm-hmm. I put that wording into an email, we'd have yeah. issues. Yeah. So I just looked it up real quick and it was when Taylor was promoting the Lover album, and she says that there's a different vocabulary for men and women in the music industry. A man does something, it's strategic. A woman does the same thing, and it's calculated. A man is allowed to react when a woman can only overreact. Mm. And I think that that is, I mean, she's spot on as always. But um, actually, Laura, what you were saying too about comparing ourselves as parents to so literally when I was watching this movie in my head I was like creating a whole nother Barbie movie that was about like mothers and or women in our age range so good I feel like that that age range though I know those actors and actresses are older than this I feel like it was kind of based if they were like in their 20s yeah and so for me in my mind I was creating this movie that was like late 30s early forties, like this age range, because when I think about like one of my really good friends from college, she sent, or she posted this meme on uh, Instagram, I think. And it was fruit all cut up and it looked like um, 
a happy meal, but it was fruit, but it looked like the burger and the fries and everything, but it was really fruit cut into those shapes. And she said something on there like, this is as close as my kids will ever come to a meal from McDonald's. And she's not kidding. Like her kids eat green smoothies. My child lives on pepperoni pizza and chocolate. Like, right. Ain't no way. Like we don't like McDonald's because it just doesn't taste good, but he can eat it if he wants it. Um, and so when I see things like that, I'm like, God, we are the worst parents, you know, but that's not, that's not reality. Um, I think of Blake Lively, um, Becca, this may resonate more with you, but I think of Blake Lively because she seems to like always have everything. Like she's absolutely gorgeous. She's married to the perfect man. They have these children. They have these beautiful homes. She has this great career. She has all these famous friends. She has all these companies they own. She talks all about how she she's just like you. She makes her own bread. Like, And I'm all the time having to remind, remind myself, yeah, but she has millions and millions of dollars to do all of that. Like, I can't compare my, like, median average income of an American right. to Blake Lively. So and also I the it, people in the background that help them do all of those things. Yes, yeah, exactly. We don't have that. We are the ones in the background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... Okay, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the movie itself. Um, Becca, what is your favorite part of the movie? So, again, because I didn't go deep into the feelings of it when I watched it the first time, my favorite part was just all of the visuals and the attention to detail. I felt like they did a great job kind of paying homage to our childhood and kind of letting us reminisce on that, like, you know, down to the food, little waffle that she eats for breakfast and how everything is just curated and perfect and stiff and, you know, all in its spot. Um, So I really liked that. I really liked how it was coupled with um, the expectations that society has when you step out of your little bubble. Um, And I thought that they did a really good job of kind of marrying the two ideals of being perfect, but also being realistic. Um, And I liked just kind of the theme of recognizing that it's okay to love something that's flawed and continue to love it while you're trying to correct it. So just kind of that overarching theme, but also just the insane attention to detail that Greta put into that. Um, I, that was my favorite. Yeah. Laura, what was your favorite part? I had a few and as you know, I took some notes. Um, that's a weird, weird, weird world you're living in. Man. Okay. So my favorite one, the first part when she starts realizing um, that she's having, or she's malfunctioning, <laughs> she, her feet go flat. Yeah. And the girl that screams flat feet. Cracks me up to, because that feels so <laughs> unexpected to me. Um, yeah, it's, it's like you would almost think they would be like hush hush, like oh my gosh, don't tell anybody, and they're all like whispering about it. But just the way that she like <laughs> says it so loud, and the lifeguard looks over with her his binoculars at it, like it's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I also love the part. <laughs> Once they get to the real world and she's like trying to like sit inside of it and figure out who she is supposed to meet, who she's supposed to connect with. And Ken's just like standing there like, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? (laughs) And she's like, Ken, go for a walk. (laughs) Yeah. By myself? (laughs) Of how many of our our men would be like, yeah. you're gonna figure this out, and I'm supposed to just go be by myself. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that. Just, I loved that. And the last part was um, when she went to see Weird Barbie, and she was picking the shoes, and she just they were like, you don't have a choice; you have to pick the heel. And she's like, I don't want to pick the heel. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> Yeah, and I loved like, oh my gosh, like, pl- please just let me go back to not knowing any of this. Please let me go back to my eyes not being open, and I could just keep living in oblivion. Yeah, 
I, um, Becca, the flat feet part, do you remember when the Eras tour was, I think it was in yes. Brazil or Argentina when her heel broke, but her foot never left the position. Nope. It, it just stayed. <laughs> Laura, there's a part when Taylor's heel, she has on these uh, Louis Vuitton boots, and I mean, at least, and the heel breaks off mid-performance. She doesn't even, she leans down, pulls it off, throws it in the crowd, but her foot Stays arched as if yeah. it's there through the whole she song. Never, like wobbled while she walked. Oh. It was like impeccable. I was, but it was total Barbie. Like it was insane. Oh That's totally what I thought of when the flat foot part, the flat feet part happened. Um, okay. I, I obviously love Gloria's monologue. I think that's kind of one of the epic parts of the movie. Um, I actually really enjoyed the conversation with Margot and uh, Rita Perlman, who played Ruth who like obviously was if you go look it up like she that Ruth person is who created Barbie and all that yeah um but you know Barbie's like talking about how disappointed she is in the real world because she like made it out to be this thing you know that was going to be so much better and all that but the part when like Ruth the character Ruth starts telling her but that like the complexities are what make the world beautiful and that like urge you have inside of you to like quit and just give up it's like part and parcel of being a human. I love that part. I thought it was a good reminder that like even Miss Perfect Barbie wanted to be somewhere else. It's that whole grass is greener on the other side thing. You know, I always, when people say that, I'm always like, yeah, but still got to get mowed. Like she thought the real world was going to be so picturesque and perfect. Yet she like we look at her like she's the perfect one. And then she gets there and she's like, well, this still is disappointing. So I, I just thought it was very poignant to me. Um, speaking of Gloria's monologue, did either of you have a favorite line from the monologue? I loved the whole thing, so I could have written the whole thing would have been my favorite, but do either of you have a line that stuck out to you? Becca? I don't know that I had one that specifically stuck out. I just, as she was going through each thing, I just was nodding my head the whole time because it's almost yeah. like you relate to every single thing that she was mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. Um, I, for me, yeah, I'm the same way. It also reminded me of growing up. I don't know if it was like this in the churches y'all grew up in, but we had this one section in our church that my dad used to call it like the amen corner. It seemed like these guys that would always like yell out amen mid sermon all set in this one section. And yeah. so when she was going through the monologue, I like in the, my head could hear like the amen corner. As my dad <laughs> Cause I was like, Oh yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. amen. Yep. <laughs> um, but for me, that part where she says, and it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. Yes. That's like just the season of parenting and life and marriage that I'm in right now that like and it's not something anyone else is putting on me. It's what I'm putting on myself that I feel like I'm not getting these things right. And it's all my fault. Like my son right. is struggling with this because we did this wrong. And this is all my fault. When in reality, like everybody's on their own journey, like we actually are not as all awesome and in control of everything as we think and we're not the center of everything so it can't all be our fault but it definitely feels that way and I think it feels that way because as women like you were saying or like y'all were saying we do do everything we make the appointments we do the errands we clean the house we do all these things so obviously if something goes wrong it has to be our fault because we do everything yeah and so for me that was the part that I was like mm-hmm amen yep yeah uh Laura did you have a favorite line or section yeah, I almost the exact same answer as you. Like, I liked the entire thing. I didn't think anything was out of line or off or over-exaggerated. Like, it very much all seemed dead on. Uh, but I do, the end, when she, you know, not only are you doing, but it's all your fault. And, yeah. I, like, that's interesting yeah. as women that we carry the weight of all of it. Um, and I wonder too, I wondered a lot listening to that of what would it, because I feel like men could write a monologue too of how hard it is and their expectations to be a man. Um, and I just, that was part of my, 
also a big takeaway of we need each other. Like Barbie needed Ken because all Barbie, neither one of the extremes worked. Mm -hmm. And I just think like looking at it from, yes, it's all our fault and we're carrying that weight. There is a, I think, equally heavy weight that men are carrying. And what would it look like to live in a world where we all understood that on each side of the line? I also liked at the very end of her or towards the end of her monologue when she said it's all too contradictory and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And I do remember that part kind of sticking out to me because I'm like, yeah, sometimes I don't mind the expectations and I don't mind doing the things, but how a simple thank you or acknowledgement mm -hmm. makes a world of difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, just I notice that I do it all. Yeah. Yeah. I'll still yeah, do it, but just not like, I'm such a, not doing it all. <laughs> I'm such a control freak that I, I need to be the one that does it all. Yes. Like, um, because I'm the only one that's going to do it the way I want it done. And so, or when I want it done, but mm -hmm. I need you to like acknowledge that. I think to America Ferreira's character being the one that delivers the monologue is so spot on, which is totally a Greta Gerwig move. Because I think yeah. if like Margot Robbie had given that, like Perfect Barbie had done that, to me, I don't think it would have hit the same. Even though she would have said the same words, I think it was so perfect that it was America. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I agree. Um, okay, so in wrapping it up, let's talk about why we feel like this movie isn't is or is not an important one right now, and why or not it was the right timing for it to come out because Barbie has obviously existed for like umpteen years, right? So it could have come out, and there's been there's never been a movie like this, but there's been a bazillion Barbie movies. So why was this the right time if it was, and why was it important? Laura, we'll start with you and your notes. I didn't feel like I had a good answer for this. Oh, of um, course. The one Sorry. <laughs> but you, you answer first. We'll, we'll give you your I, answer. Hold on. <laughs> I think that it's important to see in the mainstream people going through some kind of crisis in their life, difficult time, adversity, whatever you want to call it, and seeing that you come out on the other side. I think that it's important that we see the flaws in something and try to correct it. Also calling out things, but I never felt like it was a disrespectful kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like there are times when people like are so against one thing that they just blast it at you. They don't listen to both sides. Like I felt like it, Barbie did a good job at points of listening to Ken's side or seeing the male perspective in some points mm -hmm. um, and kind of trying to work together towards the end to kind of make those two worlds mesh. Um, but I thought we're in such a pivotal time in our history with the female and male roles really being mushed together mm -hmm. and kind of taking away the female voice and who a female is to discredit that. And this one's kind of coming along saying, no, if you don't have the females, like look at all of these expectations because it's all the things that they're doing to hold it together. So I think that it just with the time that we're in where I feel like female voices are starting to get stifled again when we've worked so hard to get away from that, um, that they really pulled out the importance of kind of all coming to the table and figuring it out together. Yeah, I do feel like it was an important movie to make right now. Um, Becca, we could do a whole episode about the casting, but I do actually, to me, it was actually perfect. When I heard this movie was first going to be created, I really thought it should have been Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively um, because to me, they're like real life Barbie and Ken, um, yeah. which I still think we should make that movie about mothers. I'll call Greta, let her know that we'll help. Um, but um, I thought it was perfectly cast, but I think too, and I thought it was interesting how it came out the same day as Oppenheimer. Yes. Um, and there was the whole like Barbie Oppenheimer, which can, one's going to win the day. Um, which I knew all along it was going to be Barbie because let's face it, right. people are not people are not deep enough to sit and want to watch a movie right. about the atomic bomb. Oppenheimer's not a date movie either, so you no. can guys to the Barbie. <laughs> yeah, and so, but I think it was like kind of the perfect picture of where the world is right now. I think everything is so heavy, 
that you want something that feels light like Barbie because with the music and just the colors and pretty people and all that, it feels light, but yet it actually gets the deep parts in, but not where it's so heavy that like you might as well have watched a movie about an atomic bomb being built. Yeah. And I think that that's like the perfect timing. And the, and I think Greta Gerwig is like the perfect director for that because she's so yes. good at being like deeply intelligent, but yet can have like a cheesy musical too. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's important too, because again, you've got picture perfect Margot Robbie. And as women, we look at other women like her and we're like, dang, I wish I had those abs or, you know, I had those clothes or like, I wish I had Blake Lively's life, but like they've got people, they've got money, everybody's got issues. And I think it was a good reminder of that, but I also think it was really important for men right now. And I think I highly doubt there was a, at least straight man that went to see Barbie that expected to take anything out of it other than looking at like hot women. Like I really just don't believe that. But I think that they could walk away from that movie with just as many like impactful feelings and emotions about the movie if they allowed themselves to. Right. Um, but yeah, I just felt like right now it was totally the right time. Um, and I do, I think that, I think the way it was presented, because I was going to say like, is there a part of, one of the questions I had was, was there a part of the movie you could have done without? There was a little part of me that could have done without the music part, which is weird because I love a musical. I'm not one of these people that doesn't like a musical. I love them. Um, yeah. Like Aaron hates when a movie breaks out in song. Like I think it's fantastic, <laughs> but I could have actually done without it in this movie. And I think yeah. it's because that to me was the only cheesy aspect. Like, and I know it was a big moment and he's nominated for a lot of awards, but Ryan Gosling yeah. singing that I am Ken song. I could have done without that. Yeah. And I know that people love it. So that could be a controversial spicy take, but I was like, yeah, we do not need this part. And that I could have done without that part you know of it. It's like at the end, if you stay through all the credits and then they show the extra clip. Yes. It should have been done the same song as the extra clip. And they would not have taken away from the movie. Yeah. I, that was where I was like, what is happening? Why is he, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> But I thought like the message that was delivered in the I am Ken song was good, but I could have done without the whole musical yeah. part of it. Um, and I do love the Dua Lipa song, Dance the Night Away. Yes. It's the perfect Barbie song. But again, let's put it in the clips. I don't need it right in the middle. <laughs> I'm good. Or were there parts that y'all didn't, you didn't need? I mean, there was only one part, but it was more of like a visual transition thing. Do you remember the parts with the little girls with the dolls? And oh yeah, start, like it was so. Every time one of those popped up, I was like, "This is the weirdest thing," and we could have not put that in the movie and been totally fine. Yeah, it just threw me off every time it popped up. I was like, "Oh, this is what we're doing." <laughs> I also thought that weird Barbie was a little extreme. Like, oh I, really? Yeah, and I know that was the point, right? Everything is yeah. to be over exaggerated. I get that's the whole point, and so that's why I didn't really pick that one. Yeah. She in general just doesn't sit right with me. And so I think that that was what it was. Like, I think you could have probably had any other actress and made her weird, did the weird hair, did all that to her. And I would have been like totally okay with it. I really think it's her that just something see, about her doesn't sit with me. I'm not a huge fan of her, but so I think that I had tempered my expectations of how much I wasn't going to like her and then mirrored, you know, with the character. Yeah. So that's why maybe the over the top didn't frustrate me or bother me as much just because I kind of expected it with her. Well, and I mean, I think like casting wise, Kate McKinnon was perfect for that like, over exaggerated role. Like, I don't think Greta made a mistake there. I just He's totally comfortable being completely odd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would have been weird if you'd had a Margot Robbie playing that. Like it would have right. felt very odd. odd. So it needed to be a weird actress. I just, I don't know. Kate McKinnon and I probably are not going to ever work together. No, she's never going to DM us to come on. <laughs> now, if she wants to, though, it's totally open. We'll take it. <laughs> I mean, totally open. Um, it appears that Laura is busy being a mother with the expectations. So, uh, do you have any other thoughts about the movie, Becca? Anything that you want to leave 
leave our fans with? No, I just, it was a better movie than I expected it to be. I yeah. had not, when I watched it, I hadn't really seen a whole bunch of the trailers or anything. So I didn't really know what the actual storyline was going to be. And so I did expect just kind of like a Playhouse Barbie movie. Um, and so I just thought that it was very well done where it still paid homage to the typical Barbie that we all knew, but also had a great storyline to it. Um, that I think kind of would anybody would go enjoy, not just females. Yeah, I agree. Um, to round out the show today, I do have exciting news Ooh, about the show. As of yesterday, the show is now on Spotify. Woo! But also, as of potentially today, maybe tomorrow, it's a 24-hour window, it will be on Apple Podcasts as well. <gasps> Yeah, How exciting. I know we're moving up in the world. So that being said, um, go follow us on Instagram at whitespace.com, like spelled out. Subscribe to the show. By the way, I wanted to just mention to both of you, neither one of you have subscribed to the show on YouTube. It's fine, but I'm just pointing it out. Oh, really? My bad. We have one, <laughs> we have, we have one follower and it's me. So, you know, we're really oh, wrong. <laughs> really killing it at this point um y'all know that's my 2024 goal to be better about this stuff with this but um and then i'll drop in the show notes the spotify and apple link once the apple link is live but thank you both for being on the show laura thank you for not crying about barbie and making becca feel uncomfortable i appreciate that immensely i really held it together perfect <laughs> crying even when right, it's well, crazy for your room can't do it <laughs> All right. Thank you both. Yeah. Bye.